Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. Our New Testament lesson for today is from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And this can be found on page 1,119 of your Pew Bible. As believers in Christ, we have received an assurance of God's forgiveness, grace, and love through the death and resurrection of Jesus our Savior. A reading from Romans chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And may God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. It was a hot and humid September day. And my daughter, Eva, was off on a class field trip. They were at a ski mountain. And um, I don't even know why they were there. I think it was to study the environment or something. But they were at the ski mountain, and my daughter, along with a lot of her other classmates, were up on the chairlift heading up the mountain when the chairlift suddenly stopped. And uh, they didn't really know what to do. There they were, under the hot sun, wondering when this thing was going to restart. A few minutes went by, and they began looking around. A few more minutes went by. They realized it was time for lunch, and they didn't have their lunches up there with them. They didn't have any water. They didn't have any food, just the hot sun. And my daughter, I love the way she tells the story. She was next to a boy that she didn't really know on her chair. And I said, well, what did you talk about with the boy? And she said, nothing. I just sat there. Remember middle school. Many more minutes went by. Uh, 45 minutes went by. An hour went by under the hot sun, and... They finally got word the chairlift was not repairable. Another hour went by, and they saw a team of first responders arrive with ropes that they began throwing up onto the cables, and the students had to grab onto the rope and slide down. Can you imagine how scary that was? I think about this a lot. She was up there. My daughter was the last kid to come down. She was up there for three hours. She said a lot of the kids were crying. She turned around and looked at the chair behind her, and there was a teacher there. teacher was crying. (laughs) Eva is a daughter of her mother. She did not cry (laughs) the entire time. (laughs) If that was me in middle school, I would have been the the boy crying on the chairlift with her. I think about her up there for those three hours a lot, actually. It was a, a little dose of what the Bible today calls suffering. A little wilderness experience, no food, no water, uncertainty about when it will end. 
the fear of certain death or bodily harm all around. And you should have seen the email that came that afternoon from the school administration. We want you to know that your children's safety is our number one priority, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I actually replied to the head of school saying, you know, I'm glad my daughter had that experience. That's probably the only email that he got like that. (laughs) I'm quite sure of it. I, I am glad because with God... Suffering takes on a whole new meaning. Everybody responds to suffering differently. The stoic pretends suffering doesn't exist. He steals himself through it. The hedonist surrounds him or herself with so much luxury as if to avoid suffering at all costs. The Pharisee looks for someone to blame when they're suffering. But the Christ follower, according to Romans 5, which we're studying today, the Christ follower does something unique in suffering. Did you hear what it says? What do we do? We rejoice in suffering. And we find the value in suffering. How can that possibly be? Well, let's dive into the scriptures together to find out how in the world we can be different than all the other people in this world When we experience suffering, whether it's short-term, like being hung on a chairlift with uncertainty, or longer-term and more severe, how can we rejoice in suffering? Let's find out from God's Word. Romans chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... I need to pause right there. The book of Romans is really hard to preach. You really have to pause on every word and do some explaining. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, you might be wondering, the whole setup to the whole sermon so far has been how to deal with suffering, and yet in the first sentence, we encounter a word, justification, which seems very theological. It seems very cerebral, doesn't it? Almost academic. Well, what we're going to see is is common in the book of Romans is that it begins often with the intellect. It begins with right theology or right thinking. Before we get to our emotions, perhaps you would think we're going to talk about suffering, we're going to talk about how we feel. That's something we've really gone astray in in our society. We base almost everything entirely on our feelings. How does it make you feel? The book of Romans will have none of that. It starts with the intellect. It starts with good theology. It starts with something like justification. So what's this justification mean? Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, that word justification Think of the word qualification. We've been qualified by faith. My son runs track, and he recently qualified to run in regionals. In order to qualify to run in regionals, he had to run fast enough during the track year. He qualified. He was justified to show up on the day of regionals. And that running of the race idea is what a lot of people in the Old Testament mindset thought of when they thought of justification. They thought, if I can just do enough works of the law, if I can be obedient to the law of God, I will be justified. I will be qualified to be in God's presence, to have peace with God. I don't have peace with God because of my sin. But if I can work hard enough like a track runner... I can qualify, I can be justified. But look what Paul says here in Romans. Since we've been justified by faith, not by works. There's no race you can run fast enough, according to the gospel, to qualify you, to justify you, to have peace with God. 
We have justification through faith in Christ. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, staying on this theology theme for just a moment, staying in the mind, the coin's going to drop to the heart by the end of this paragraph and by the end of this sermon. But let's stay in the theological realm for just a moment because in these two verses that I just read are three are of what we call the solas, the five solas of the Reformation. Perhaps you know what these are. I'm going to run through them for a moment so that we can have an understanding of, of what they mean. They're sola gratia. You're going to see these on the screen with some scriptures as well. You can look these up later. They'll be on the website. Sola gratia, grace alone. That word sola is the Latin word for only. Sola gratia means we are saved by grace alone. In other words, we're not saved by any merit, by anything inherent that we have that's worthy of saving. We're saved by grace, sola gratia. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, sola fide. That's what Paul's talking about here. We've been justified by faith, sola fide, through faith alone. In other words, not through works. We're saved by grace through faith in whom? In Christ alone, solo Christo or solus Christus. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Jesus himself said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And in the book of Acts, it says there's no other name by which one can be saved. Christ alone. How do we know this? Sola Scriptura, because of what is revealed in Scripture alone. The Bible is God's chosen written revelation to us, to point us to Christ, to point us to the reality of our sinful nature and the reality of our Savior through Scripture alone. In other words, not through Scripture plus the New York Times or Scripture plus the Book of Mormon. Scripture alone, sola scriptua. Why? Soli Deo Gloria. For God's glory alone. Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola Christo, sola scriptura, soli deo gloria. To put it in English, it sounds like this. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed in scripture alone, for God's glory alone. This is pretty easy to memorize, the five solas. I encourage you to memorize it because in our world today, we are constantly given, we're confronting other theologies, self-help books, even some material that has the word Christian on it, and all kinds of other secular worldviews. We're given these things all the time. And here's a really good filter, the five solas. You can measure whatever new information you're getting against the five solas. Does this material glorify God alone? Does it tell me that I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, as revealed in Scripture alone, for God's glory alone. If not, it's probably not good theology. So this is where Paul is setting us up. We're about to talk about suffering. We're about to talk about hardship. We're about to talk about wilderness experiences. But let's get our theology straight first. You know, we heard a really good theologian last Sunday 
right here in this pulpit, one of our confirmation students. I want to read for you a couple of her sentences because she does this really well. She lets her theology speak to her feelings. Young Christina, those of you who were here for Confirmation Sunday, you know how special those testimonies were. Listen to what Christina said because she illustrates this idea really well. Christina said this, while scrolling on the Bible app, one verse caught my attention immediately. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. This verse sticks with me to this day, she said, which is why I picked it as my life verse. I recite it to myself when I start to feel anxious. And I always feel calmer knowing that God's peace will guard my heart. You see what she's doing here? She's letting her theology dictate her emotions. I start to feel anxious, and what do I do? I go back to the theology I know. Philippians 4, 7. May the peace of God guard your hearts. We've got good theologians in Gen Z. She goes on to say, something I kept coming across in the Bible was the idea that God has a plan for everyone, and all we need to do is put our faith in it. This is something I think about a lot, and it is something that brings me comfort even now. Knowing that Jesus has already set out a path for me, and that he made me for a purpose, gives me great peace. Sometimes I feel like nothing is in my control. You feel like you're on that chairlift. Nothing's in your control. And that can be overwhelming. But trusting and believing that God is always in control helps me be more at ease. A middle schooler said that last Sunday. Sometimes I feel like nothing's in my control. That can be overwhelming. Should I ask for a raise of hands on agreement on that one? Sometimes I feel like nothing's in my control. That can be overwhelming, but trusting and believing that God is in control. Thank you, Christina. That's good theology. Similar to what Paul is saying here. Let's go back to verse 2. Through him we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, what he's doing here is he's saying... In, verse, in chapter 3, he said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need to be justified by faith. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here in chapter 5, he's saying, look, because of our justification, we've been justified by what happened on the cross for us on our behalf. Now we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Glory is restored. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we're justified by his grace, so glory is restored. One of my favorite expressions I hear is from Pastor Richard, who leads Pivot Ministries, and he says, Yay, glory! You ever hear him say that? Yay, glory! Can you say it with me? Yay, glory! I think he's quoting this verse right here. We rejoice in the hope of glory because of justification. But look at verse 3 now. Now we're going to get into the suffering. Not only that, obviously we rejoice in glory of uh, we hope in the hope of glory. We rejoice in that. Yea, glory. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our suffering. You see, the early New Testament mindset was that if I'm justified by works, then if I'm being obedient to God's law, I'll receive blessing. 
But if I'm being disobedient to God's law, I'll receive curse. So if my life's going well, that's because God loves me and I'm doing a good job. If my life's not going well, if I'm suffering, God's judging me for something I did wrong. Paul says, no, 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 that's gone. You're justified not by works, but by faith. Therefore, if you're succeeding or failing, if you're experiencing blessing or suffering, you can rejoice. Because your justification, your position in God is secure. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And now you can begin to see the value that comes from suffering. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. This is why I emailed the school administrator and said, I'm glad my daughter had that experience today. Hanging out there on that chairlift for three hours of uncertainty and fear and no food or water. Why? Because now I I know that the next time she faces a challenge, the next time that she faces suffering in any way, she can go, oh, I've been here before and I got through it. See, that's endurance. That's character. We parents do our kids a disservice if we try to avoid all suffering in their lives. You've heard of the helicopter parent? Now it's the bulldozer parent. They bulldoze all the problems out of the way. And our kids never suffer. And we think we're loving them by never letting them suffer. We have to let our kids hang out on the chairlift sometimes and not know what's coming next. They can dig deep in those moments. Zach, last Sunday, another confirmand. Zach understands this. Did you hear what Zach said? During a quiet prayer time at the youth retreat, says Zach, I gave God a chance and I opened up to him. I told him about the emotions of sadness and regret I always felt and what I wanted to change in the future. That night, while I was praying, I could also feel God's presence for the first time in years. It felt like God's spirit was with me again. God knew that I would truly become a strong believer by going through my experiences with bullying and loneliness. It was all part of his plan for me to find him. By remembering this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, in good times and bad, I'm able to stay hopeful and know God will lead the way as he has already done in my life. Did you hear what Zach said? He was bullied. He was alone. He had to change schools. And now because of God in his life, he looks back at that suffering experience and he says, you know what? I see value in that suffering. It led me to know who my Savior is. It led me to know who my God is, who my Creator is, the one who gives me my identity, not the bullies, but God. A middle schooler said that. And this is what Paul is getting at now. He begins to let the coin drop from the theology, from the head to the heart. We rejoice in our sufferings, verse 3, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. The people he was writing this to were suffering under Roman oppression, persecution. Verse 5, hope does not put us to shame because... This is really what Zach's talking about in his testimony. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. 
You look at a kid who's going through a hard time and you say, their heart is broken, I need to fix it. But you say, according to Romans 5, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. A heart that is broken is a heart that is open. When we go through suffering, we know who our Savior is. When we go through need, we know who our supply is. When we are weak, he is strong. This is why, as the Christ follower, we can not try to avoid suffering at all costs, but we can rejoice in our suffering. Now, I'm aware that we have these awesome examples of our confirmation kids. We have this really good theology. But I'm also aware that if there's anybody here who's in the midst of suffering, real hardship, real pain, I'm aware that you might be hearing these words, rejoice in suffering, and it might be too soon to even think about that. I remember one time some years ago, Nancy had had a miscarriage. And we were really hurting. We were really suffering through that emotionally. I remember somebody looked at me and they said, Nathan, you got to fight for joy through this. And I remember walking away thinking, well, that didn't help. (laughs) It just didn't help. Got to fight for joy. I didn't feel like fighting at all. My theology was there, but the emotions were too strong. So you, you, there might be somebody here today who's hearing, rejoice in suffering. And you might be feeling like I did that day. And if that's you, this is kind of what I wish the person had said. So I'll say it to you. If that's you today, look no further than the cross. To Jesus. None of us have suffered as bad as he did. So he knows. That's been my prayer all all week, is that he who knows suffering would draw near to all of us. He can look back at his suffering like Zach did and say there was purpose in that. Look at the fruit that his suffering bore. The endurance, the fact that he endured through it. The character that it showed of sacrificial love. And the hope that it gives us. Knowing that our sins have been dealt with, they've been absorbed onto his body. We don't have to pay for them anymore. We have the hope of eternal life. So let Jesus, if it's too much for you to consider today, let Jesus do the suffering on your behalf. That's the heart of the gospel. And then when you're ready, come back to this good, rich theology like young Christina showed us. Refer to it, know it. And remember this. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. In Christ alone, as revealed in Scripture alone, for God's glory alone. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.